The final section of this week's module is nephrotic syndrome. Nephrotic syndrome is a filtration disorder with too much protein that is filtered out of the blood, resulting in proteinuria, edema, hyperlipidemia, and hypoalbuminemia. The hallmark of idiopathic nephrotic syndrome is a massive proteinuria leading to decreased circulating albumin levels. We have damage to the podocytes and the glomeruli, which in turn allows proteins to cross the filtration membrane into the urine. The etiology is unknown, and the vast majority of patients with nephrotic syndrome are idiopathic. The incidence is two to three cases per 100,000 children, with males nearly twice as, as affected as females. African-American and Hispanic children appear to have an increased risk of steroid-resistant nephrotic syndrome. There are two types, both the steroid-sensitive and the steroid-resistant, and about 95% of the patients that are treated for nephrotic syndrome reach remission after their first round of treatment. The presentation includes edema. The urine is described as frothy or foamy. They have significant weight gain, which most likely is due to that increased edema. They have a hyperlipidemia on their lab values. They can suffer from thrombotic, thromboembolic complications as well as hypercoagulability and infection. With their hyperlipidemia, they have an elevation in both the VLDL, their IDL, LDL, cholesterol, and triglycerides. The thromboembolic complications risks increases throughout the childhood and adolescents are at higher risk than younger children. With our hypercoagulability, what happens is we have significant antithrombotic proteins that are lost in the urine. This increases the synthesis of prothrombotic factors, which include an increased number of platelets, elevation in levels of your factor five, uh, factor eight, von Willebrand factor, your alpha two plasmin inhibitor, plasminogen activating inhibitor one, and fibrinogen. Infection risks are increased for both viral and bacterial infections, which can trigger relapse in your nephrotic syndrome. These children generally have a low IgG level, which results in impaired, impaired synthesis. And some of the primary causes are listed right here on, on your slide, such as minimal change nephrotic syndrome, FSGS, and uh, several others. Your diagnostics will be your CBC, your BMP looking at all your electrolytes, BU and creatinine, as well as your calcium and FOS, your urine dipstick, looking at your pr urine proteins. A 24-hour urine collection can be helpful to determining what's uh, being filtered through the urine, as well as checking your IgG, IgM, and IgE levels. Uh, with patients that are at high risk, you also want to test for HIV, hepatitis, uh, B and C. You also may want to look at complement studies, um, as well as an ANA. Your renal biopsy will give you a significant amount of information, including if there's any changes or damages to the podocytes, um, which could reveal um, uh, significant nephrotic syndrome. But it also can rule out other um, diseases, such as minimal change nephrotic syndrome or FSGS. Your steroid dosing uh, is listed right here on the screen. So for your first round, you can give prednisone or prednisolone. Um, dosed at about 60 milligrams per meter squared per day or 2 milligrams per kilo per day with a max of 80 milligrams per day. You give that daily for about six weeks or at least until the patient shows signs of improvement. And that would be three consecutive days with zero trace protein via the urine dipstick and that your protein to creatinine ratio is less than 0.2. Once they've met that criteria, you can then put them on a maintenance dosing.
which I have listed here for you as well, which is 40 milligrams per meter squared per day or 1.5 milligrams per kilo uh, per day, given alternating days for two to five months. Um, and, then, and a relapse is defined as the protein, crash and ra- protein creatinine ratio greater than two or uh, urine protein, which is higher than two on the urine dipstick. So some of the medications you can give for supportive therapy, obviously you can give uh, diuretics such as Lasix. Um, you can replace the albumin. You can provide them with antihypertensives to treat their hypertension. And these would include your ACE inhibitors, your um, angiotensin II receptor blockers, calcium channel blockers, and beta blockers. And when patients go into remission, often they will provide, uh, place these patients on medications to help sustain that remission, such as cyclophosphamide, cyclosporin, um, although cyclosporin has a higher relapse rate once it's discontinued, um, these patients could also be placed on uh, CELSEP, which is mycophenolate, serolimus, tacrolimus, can help re- induce admission as well. Your indications for hospitalization will include anisarca, especially when it's resistant to outpatient therapy. Uh, if they have a significant hypertension, um, these patients are generally at risk for syndrome, which is a posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome, which can cause uh, headache, confusion, seizures with a significant elevation in blood pressure. Um, They can also be anuric or have severe oliguria, peritonitis, sepsis, infection, um, as well as asotemia. Your immunizations should include um, yearly influenza vaccines, as well as a pneumococcal vaccination, which should be administered and repeated every five years. Um, especially um, while the patient has relapses. Uh, It's routine uh, child vaccines with live virus strains are contraindicated during steroid therapy and for at least one month afterwards. Your disposition and discharge planning should include follow-up with a healthcare provider and your pediatric nephrologist, um, and you have to make sure that there's adherence to the treatment plan. Next, we'll move on to acute post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. It's the most common form of primary nephritis um, in children. Um, It's a disease characterized by the sudden appearance of edema, hematuria, proteinuria, and hypertension. Uh, It's a result from an infection of the skin or uh, pharyngitis. Um, Usually it's caused by uh, group A beta helomelic streptococci. Other types of glomerulonephritis that you could see are from uh, from lupus, uh, diabetes, good pasture syndrome, HSP, among others. Hereditarily, they can also have a glomerulonephritis from Alpert syndrome, Fabry disease, thin basement membrane disease. Your acute um, post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis is usually an, an, an immune complex-mediated mechanism, which is the most proposed mechanism. Um, the epidemiology is it's more frequent in children between the ages of 5 and 15 years, and males and females are equally affected. Your differential diagnosis can include bacterial endocarditis, hematuria, HUS again, hypertension, proteinuria, lupus, or tumor lysis syndrome. Your diagnostic evaluation will include an anti-trip. Uh, essentially, you want to look at things that would help um, implicate either a pharyngitis or some type of uh, skin infection. So your ASO, your anti-streptolysin um, is big to assess for your uh, pharyngitis, and here are some others um, that could also be helpful in the diagnostic evaluation. Um, for your hematology and chemistries, of course, you want to look at your CBC, 
your BMP and closely looking at your beyond creatinine. Urine cultures and your analysis may also be helpful, as well as the throat culture. Again, I listed the ASO. If you have someone that doesn't have um, a skin infection or a history of skin infection or throat infection, you may want to work them up for other causes of glomerulonephritis, such as looking at lupus serologies, your C3 and C4 complement, and um, your uh, your your P anca and your C anca, as well as your IgA. Treatment again can be managed by the primary care provider. However, often these patients may be referred to the hospital for severe hypertension, poor urine output, severe edema, um, um, azotemia, and items such as that. Medications, so often we will start them on antibiotics for at least 10 days uh, to ensure the eradication of the streptococcus. Um, we can put them on supportive medications to help treat their blood pressure, such as you know your hydralazines, your calcium channel blockers, um, ACE inhibitors. Um, usually these medications are not continued once they're discharged. However, they might, depending on their blood pressure. And they're carefully monitoring their blood pressure for at least one week afterwards to ensure um, that there is no rebound hypertension. Your dis disposition and discharge planning should include examinations um, in about four to six week intervals uh, for the first six months, and then three to six month intervals after that until the hematuria and proteinuria have been absent and the blood pressure has returned, to normal, returned back to normal baseline after one year. 